Well, hello and welcome to The Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and expert analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm joined here today by co-host Charlie Evangelakos. Charlie, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Charlie, it's uh, our first podcast, so why are we doing this? That's a good question, James. We want to talk about people's dearest uh, subject matter, and that's estate planning. Okay, well, what what makes us qualified to broach such a uh, heavy, I'll say that, topic? Well, we've been doing this for uh, 25, 30 years with many clients, and um, they found our uh, planning to be very valuable and helpful for their families, so we thought we'd share that with the world. Let me talk a little bit about estate planning, but before we do that, I think it would be a good idea to talk about you know, things we will talk about across time in future podcasts on the palace perspective. So in addition to estate planning, I think we have a number of topics that we've been thinking about and certainly one that's coming up here. Everyone's focused on uh, as we enter into the fall season is the upcoming election. So we're planning to have um, presidential election. We're planning to have an election series on um, tax implications for individuals, business owners, uh, with the election, impact the election on your portfolio. Um, so that'll be interesting to follow that. But beyond that, um, what else are we going to be talking about, Charlie? That may be of interest to people. Well, we're talking about how the election is going to affect them in many different ways, right? Their lifestyles, their investments, their planning, their financial well-being, you know, all the things that are centered around that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more topics to talk about, but the election is front and center for a lot of people right now. I think the election is going to impact many people, including your business owners, small business owners. And so we'll have a series of topics on issues that are important to a small business owner. Maybe it's issues such as, you know, selecting the proper type of entity for my business. Maybe it's structuring attractive compensation plans for my employees. Maybe it's how to transition out of the business to the next generation. Or how to even uh, take my uh, equity out of my business so I can retire. Yeah. and have it continue for my employees or children. So there's always, these are very important topics for a lot of people that have made their life's you know, work and uh, value at this point, trying to um, maximize the value of their business. You know, another topic, Charlie, uh, which is, I think, under the umbrella of estate planning, but maybe something that sounds a little more enjoyable to think about, fulfilling, is this topic of philanthropy, charitable planning. And so we'll devote some time talking about ways people can give back to the communities around them, uh, to the society as a whole, and to feel good doing good. Uh, and to see that not only during lifetime, but also maybe through some of the estate planning uh, provisions that they enact. And then I think we're also going to focus quite a bit on investment uh, topics. Uh, so Palace Perspectives podcast is going to be um, a very interesting podcast for people that are interested in all things financial planning. Is that fair to say? Yes, completely agree with you. But today we're going to talk about estate planning. And estate planning sounds pretty heavy to me. What exactly is estate planning? Well, if you break down the estate planning, estate is the property you leave behind. And planning is essentially a collection of legal documents you create to dictate how to pass your property. That's estate planning, and it's a subject that's not very exciting, as we all know. The reason why people put it off, we would say 50% of the population doesn't even have a will, is because it's a very difficult subject. You have to make some decisions about you and your family, your assets, 
your financial well-being and so forth. So it's a very challenging subject. And hopefully today we'll break down what some of those barriers are uh, that people have uh, in approaching this subject. You know, you just said you don't think estate planning is terribly exciting. But I would hazard to guess that if you don't do the planning, things can get pretty exciting for the family that sticks around after you're gone. No question. And we have lots of stories to talk about that. We do estate planning at Palace Capital Advisors. And we do it for a segment of the population called the high net worth or ultra high net worth. Why does estate planning for that segment, first of all, maybe you can define that, what we mean by that, but why is estate planning really critical for those folks? James, let's just start with the five, five things estate planning actually does, right? First, it specifies in advance who gets what and when, right? And these are all your assets, your business assets, your retirement assets, and personal assets. Two, it prevents conflicts between beneficiaries, and we all have stories regarding that. Number three, it does protect your young children and special needs persons in your family. Four, it controls and reduces taxes. And five, we reduce administrative costs, probate, and other obstacles in your estate plan. Those are kind of the five, I think, are key factors in what estate planning does. Okay, <clears throat> but is it fair? I mean, those are interesting. I think they're all good points. But is it fair to say that um, estate planning fundamentally gives the person doing the planning an opportunity to teach the next generation what he or she thinks about wealth. Yes, this is a common thread amongst many of our families at the point, when do we get our children involved? And it's not, you can always prepare the as family, you can always prepare the estate for the family, but you can't prepare the family for the estate. So if you understand that concept is, we can always leave money behind, but if we don't teach kids how to be good stewards of the money, that's a breakdown at that point in time. So part of our, process here is, is at what point in our in, in our clients' lives do we bring the children up to speed with the estate plan and then teach them tools and trade and and skills to be able to shepherd that wealth going forward to the next generation. That, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's all part of the process and every client is different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think <clears throat> you know when you're talking when we're talking with clients about estate planning, you start to hear different themes and concerns uh, from those clients. So, for example, you mentioned, uh, I think those five things, you mentioned number three was pr- protecting family members. Um, it's not uncommon, you know, when you have families, not everyone's the same in that family. Children are quite a bit different from each other. And it's not uncommon to have a child that has perhaps a, a certain set of needs that are unique to that child that the family member doing the estate planning wants to think about and to take into consideration when he's putting together a plan. And so um, what are those types of things, you know, for that particular family member are on the top of his mind or her mind when they're coming and talking to you about estate planning? Well, every parent knows their children and all the children are different, right? And so when we sit down with clients and do a deep discovery, which we'll probably talk a little further about in this podcast, is how do we deliver assets to each child? Some children, as we know, can manage money well. They're very capable. They're financially savvy. Others are not. They're spendthrifts. We have children that have special needs. We have children that have marriages that are questionable. We all have that, all our families. So the point is, if we can custom design, you know, when you sit down with your advisor, 
you can custom design a plan that fits each child. And you may decide to distribute money, you know, leave money to one kid a specific way and different with other children. So that all falls under the category of asset protection, not so much estate planning. So estate planning and asset protection kind of get intertwined between the two of them because estate planning is protecting the assets for your children and grandchildren. So that makes sense. Treating my children equally and fairly doesn't mean treating them necessarily the same. Could be different, Correct. depending on that child's needs. Let's back up for a second here and start sort of more at the beginning. What's the fundamental thing that a person needs to think about or do in order to start his or her estate plan? Is it drafting a trust? Is it buying life insurance? Or is it something more fundamental than that? Well, you make a good point. It, it depends on the client, right? Are we talking about a 100000 or a million dollar estate? Or are we talking about a $50 million estate? And we know they're different. All right. So, well, why don't you define, you know, what is a high net worth, ultra high net worth versus someone that's more of a mass affluent? How, how would you break those categories down? And then um, how would those people differently approach estate planning? Okay. So let me... Good point, James. So let me break it down to different parts of the estate plan. There's a testamentary part and there's a advanced planning part. Testamentary part essentially is what happens when I die? Do I have the proper will and trust in place to make sure my assets are distributed properly to my children? That's testamentary. There's nothing very complex with that. That's really getting your wishes on a piece of paper and then distributing assets to your children, grandchildren as you see fit. That's one part of it. And that could be a client when you look at it from today, each person could transfer 11580000 So without worrying about state inheritance. When you say today, I should clarify, you're talking about 2020. 2020, yeah. which could change tomorrow with the election, as we know, but will certainly change in 2025. We can get into more of that stuff later. But the point is that one can make the argument, I'm not going to pay one nickel of federal estate tax until, until I, over $23 million. So someone says, well, then I don't have to do any estate planning. Now, we do know some states have their own inheritance tax, like Massachusetts that we reside in, which will be up to 16%. Aside from that, so, so you can make the argument, ultra high net worth could be 20, 25 million or more. It's what they call ultra high net worth. Just because that seems to be the threshold before you, you have to cross, before you have to worry about federal state taxes, in other words. Right. And before you start thinking about estate planning strategies to reduce taxes and shift taxes and so those type of more complex But estate planning things. is more than just about tax, sure. isn't it? It is. It's the most important thing is about distribution of assets and how you leave assets to your children. You know, basic wills, basic revocable trust to avoid probate, durable power of attorneys to make sure if you're incapacitated, who do you leave in, you know, in, in charge to make financial decisions for you? Healthcare. So stop a second. Yeah. You, mean, you meant to say durable powers of attorney. So Charlie... You know, we're talking here about wills and taxes and dealing with taxes, but certainly you would say that estate planning, whether it's for the ultra high net worth or for the mass affluent individual, it's more than just about tax planning, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Completely agree. So when you're doing this type of planning, is this something you need to have done with a legal document? Or is it simple enough to just communicate your desires to your family members, maybe at the dinner table, and assume that they're going to carry out your wishes? 
Um, tell me, you know, what's, what's the read on that? The read on that, James, is we highly recommend a legal document because that's what helps what holds up in court. So having a conversation with your family members and taking that to your probate court and convincing the judge that's how you want things done, that's leaving things up for chance, as you know, right? So, well, that's, there's also, yeah, there's that, but there's also this idea if you do not do this formally, you are basically what they call intestate. That is, you're without a will. And so what happens if you were to pass away accidentally, prematurely, whatever you call it, uh, without a will, someone has a plan for you, and it's called the state in which you reside. For us here, it's the state of Massachusetts, but depending on who's listening to this call, it could be another state like Texas, which is a community property state, California, community property state. And if you don't have a document, legal document, that was executed properly, the state may decide who receives your assets. And that's particularly, from what I understand, um, important if you're in a second marriage and there are children that are not from this marriage in the family. Yes. In addition to that, who raises your children if you have minor children? All those things. Oh, yeah. That's, for, a, that's really important. So, so we break down estate planning to two, two components, right? There's the testamentary part and there's the advanced planning part. The testamentary part is the part that just says if something happens to me and I pass on, I have legal documents in place to make sure my assets are distributed properly, my children have the proper guardians, and I set up vehicles to protect my assets for the benefit of my children, right? So some, what are some of the basic components of an estate plan? A will, a living trust in many states, which obviously helps avoid probate and leaves money in trust for your What children. is probate? You've, you've mentioned that. Probate is a process of which a court verifies your will and helps with the disposition of your assets. Okay. It goes through a process, and we all know it's, it's... When you say court, I think I think attorneys and I think of cost. Yes, all that with it. Yes. Okay. Um, so in the basic planning, which is just a set of legal documents, you know, we set up things like wills and trusts and uh, living wills and healthcare proxies, which helps people make medical decisions for us. Uh, we help with selecting a guardian for our children. Um, we want to make sure we title our assets properly and make sure like assets like you know retirement accounts and life insurance that we have the proper beneficiary. So those are all basic planning that uh, could be done relatively easily in the short order you know, to have those in place. But if I want to um, communicate to my children more than, okay, child one, you get this, child two, you get that, and child three you get something else. If I want to communicate to them more of, well, what's the value that financial assets should have to someone? More of the fundamental meaning of wealth and how wealth can hurt, how wealth can help, how wealth can create, how wealth can frankly destroy. If I want to create those types of, or pass on that type of um, value system, is the will the document that I do that in? So good question, James. A lot of that could be dictated through the will, but we can have certain language in the will and how the kids should use the funds. Um, but obviously we'd like our clients to talk to their children before they pass away and educate them how to manage and what their expectations. One other thing that's attached to the will is called an ethical will. It's not legally binding, but it's a mission statement that parents leave behind and how children should use the money they leave behind for what purposes and, and so forth. So, 
those are often not widely used, but we, we highly recommend them in many cases uh, for clients. Right, so that's helpful, Charlie, to understand a little bit about um, transferring values down to the next generation. Clearly, you know, part of being a parent, it's transferring, you know, what's important about to you and your value system to the next generation and certainly helping that next generation formulate their own set of uh, values. Um, but let's come back now to, you know, pra practical things here, which is at its core, estate planning, as you've said, is the transfer of assets you have accumulated to the next generation at your death. But in order for that to be effective, there's got to be a fair amount of planning during lifetime. And so walk us through what you at Palace do when you're sitting down in front of clients. What's the process you take that client through, helping them understand, of course, you know, what options are available to them? What's the landscape? You know, you mentioned legislative landscape, mm -hmm. tax landscape. And then what are the planning strategies that they may avail themselves of in order to accomplish those objectives in estate planning. Walk us through that with a client. Well, James, as you know, right, estate planning for a lot of clients is like a deer in headlights, right? You, you have all these advisors around you, CPAs, attorneys, financial planners, wealth managers, throwing all a bunch of acronyms at clients, right? You should be thinking about doing a GRAT, a CLUT, an ILIT, a SLAT, all these things, right? But clients don't really understand the implications of all those. So they, there's typically a holdback at that point. So what we like to do is take a step back. It's really a discovery process, right? Before you can make a recommendation, it's important to help a client discover and solidify what their real values are. What are we trying to accomplish here? It's important to map out a client's estate plan. So let me kind of walk you through what I think the, the six steps that we take here at Palace when we help clients. The first process is obviously data gathering. We need to know about the client. We need to know what their thoughts are, their family structure, what their assets look like, what their cash flow needs are, what they've done in current planning. So there's a series of things we need to learn. That's called data gathering. So we gather a lot of information. We review the current plan with the client. Uh, we map out the estate. We set flow charts it's like, like a lot of people do, right? There's no magic there. We, there's a lot of firms that can do that. Thirdly is we establish goals and objectives. We set that up. Second step is to review the current plan. Once we gather all the data, we will map out the client's current estate plan. We'll create flow charts. We'll kind of show them the implications of what the current plan Well, that, that could be a pretty short step if they have no plan. Correct. But they do have assets, so we can outline the assets and kind of just show how they distribute right. Could be simple. Some clients have two or three major assets. Some have thirty, and they all intertwine. So it's it could be simple or complex for some clients. Thirdly, is we establish a set of goals and objectives. What is the purpose of this meeting? What are we trying to accomplish? What's our family legacy? So we need to state those. Those are highly critical. Fourth step is we develop a, a, a several observations. So after we review all the information, we this is the educational process. We, we make some observations, we uh, test the clients for what they're willing to do or not to do. And, you know, because, you know, transferring assets is, is difficult for clients. You're asking them to take assets they've built their whole lives and they, they meet a bunch of real estate, you know, not real estate, estate planning attorneys. And now they're asking them to just make these gifts. So we need to show them, that, do we need to access these funds for income? Do we, can we just give them away? 
Should we leave them for our children or grandchildren? There's a whole bunch of series of questions we go through them, understand what their objectives are. Number five is the actual plan design and implementation of a plan. So those are our recommendations. Uh, and number six is to administer the plan after it's put in place. So I would say the hangup is historically, I would say 80% of this process has been devoted to the bottom two levels, plan design and implementation and administration. Now, why is that? Because most advisors, that's how they're compensated. Whether it's the attorney, whether it's the financial planner, they don't take the time to take do the, do the first four steps. Data gathering, review the current plan, establishing goals, developing observations. That's where 8% of the time should be, taken, should, be, should be actually dedicated to. So we find that spending a lot of time in the first four planning process steps creates a lot of potential success for us. So Charlie, we're coming towards the end here, and that was really helpful to walk, you, walk us through the process that you employ when sitting down with clients. Now, I would imagine when you've got those six steps here, you're really talking about wealthy clients, fairly wealthy clients. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's correct. Okay. However, it could be altered for less wealthy, more or less affluent clients as well, because they're still a data gatherer. Whether you're worth $100,000, whether you're worth $100 million, it's still your life savings, and that money is going someplace. And so the process could be more streamlined and simpler if you are a, uh, don't have the same net worth or something you know, with a higher net worth. So we use the same process regardless of the net worth. So Charlie, you know, in walking through this, process the six-step process and you get to steps three or four you know three being establishing goals and objectives number four coming up with observations i mean what's um whether it's an ultra high net worth individual or if it's a mass affluent individual or anywhere in between what would you say is the number one or number two concern for those people in going through this process that they express to you the most important concern for a client is to make sure that their documents line up with their objectives and things get accomplished in case something happens. That's the number one concern. So once you state your goals and objectives, you want to make sure they can be executed. Yeah. You know, so whether you're worth one million or whether you're worth a hundred million really does it's irrelevant. So it's not necessarily, you know, making sure that you know, Johnny gets the boat and Susie gets the car or, you know, Billy gets the house or what have you, or even how much does the IRS get or the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or whatever state the client's in, it's, it seems to be more, hey, can I go to bed at night knowing that what I want and what's important to me about wealth will be transferred down to that next generation in a manner in which I want it to be and that's been taken care of. That's the sleeping at night factor, yeah, yes. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But, you know, kind of standing in the way of that happening, are these issues like, you know, follow a bouncing dollar, who gets what, who takes it, how, when? And then how do we deal with this idea or potential estate tax liability? Those issues stand in the way. And certainly for high net worth individuals, those are big issues. I mean, if I think back in the last four years, Charlie, since, oh, 2017, maybe three years, We've had, well, I'm just counting off the top of my head, three major source, uh, major pieces of legislation. You had in 2017 the Tax uh, Cuts and Jobs Act, right? In 2019, you had the Secure Act, right? And then just recently in 2020, because of the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic, we have the CARES Act. 
And all these acts have to do with finances and helping people, um, you know, uh, whether it's accumulate wealth, manage wealth, or transfer wealth in some way, they're um, touched by these uh, laws. So we'll be talking in future podcasts about the impact of current and prior legislation on not only estate planning, but also income tax planning, retirement planning, wealth accumulation planning, um, but they're all integrated, aren't they? Right? They all speak to each other at some point. And certainly being conversant and knowing how to navigate the law of the land is critical to that client, that individual being able to sleep at night knowing he's done everything he possibly could to make sure his objectives are accomplished expeditiously and efficiently as possible. Couldn't agree with you more, James. The other thing is that's very important for us to review our clients' plans every year because of all these changes and updates and elections and CARE Acts and so forth, so CARES Act. So there's all the more reason to uh, have a, the base fundamental plan in place and then we monitor it year by year you know, for, for each, as we recommend all our listeners should do. Charlie, while you're here, why don't you tell us uh, what's your website? If someone had a question about estate planning, basic estate planning, wanted to talk to you. I assume you're available for that type of information if they needed it. Our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. And uh, James Landry, myself, Charles Evangelakos, are right on the website and feel free to reach out. Well, listen, uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the Palace Perspectives podcast. I'm James Landry. This has been Charles Evangelakos, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you on a regular basis. Come back and hear us next time. Palace Capital Advisors, Triad Advisors, LLC, GWM Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only and is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security sector or strategy to any individual person or entity. Past performance should not be considered as an indicator of future results. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through GWM Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. GWM Advisors, LLC and Palace Capital Advisors, LLC are separate entities from Triad Advisors, LLC.